This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi everyone, this is Chelsea Lee Truscott, your host, and this is episode 17 of Thank You Heartbreak. You know what I wish I knew? I wish I knew how you guys landed here. Like, what were you doing right before you decided to push play? Yeah, I would love to know what kind of led you to me. Either way, thank you for being here. Now let's get into what you're really here for, and that is the letter that I promised in episode 16. I am doing another listener's letter that takes a different approach to not the same question and definitely not the same story by any means, but the idea of discovering something about your partner's past that makes you feel unsettled and how you deal with that. So with that said, I really just wanna jump into the letter and read to you what this one is all about. Dear Chelsea, I just started seeing this guy about a month ago and tonight I was home alone looking at his Instagram pictures. I will admit it, I was snooping. Snooping got me in a bit of a situation when it came to a picture of an ex from three years ago. Interestingly enough, when I clicked on her tagged profile name on his picture and looked at her pictures, I came to find that the guy I have been seeing and his best friend were seeing this girl at the same time. In her pictures one day, she had a, quote, I love you post toward the guy I am seeing, and the next day, it was one to his best friend. All three of them are in pictures together hanging out before and after the, quote, I love you pictures, and I'm curious if they were in some kind of three-person relationship. I'm not sure if I should confess to snooping to get answers because it's kind of making me not want to be with him if he is still into that. At the same time, it was three years ago and a lot can change in three years. I'm confused. Do I talk to him or forget I ever found that part of his life? Thank you, the girl in a situation. Dear the girl in a situation, my parents got married after dating 11 months, 38 years later, and I'm proud that they are still together. I won't theorize how, in a culture prone to divorce, they've managed to do that, but what I will share with you is how I believe they managed to make it to the altar after not even a single year together. During their first month of dating and in the thick of storytelling, my mom and dad paused, looked at each other, and said, let's not do this. This was the recounting of past relationships. And this was the nitty gritty, not the surface details, but the inner workings of a couple's life. The details that add drama and color and fire and spice to a story that speak to the intimacy and promise and upset earned in one's past. When I asked my mom about their decision to quote, not go there, she explains that part of it was my father had been married before and that for as curious slash nervous as any woman could be about that, 
She also realized she didn't need to know the details of a relationship that had not only not worked out, but simply had nothing really to do with her and my father. I suppose what they realized was that what was between them was them, and what was behind them were all the others. The other women, the other men, the other stories and loves. All that otherness wasn't going to benefit either one of them. That's what my parents decided their first month of dating. That if anything, such divulging would grow into a tit-for-tat dance that, outside of judgment, wonder, and suspicion, left little to be gained. I give them a ton of credit because that level of self-control does not come naturally for me. When it comes to knowing someone, I want to hear everything. I want to take in all of it. But for someone like my mom, what I'm taking in, she feels she's taking on. And when she met my father, she didn't want to take on other people's stories anymore. This wasn't because she was callous, but rather self-preserving. She knew that wanting to know so much, wanting to know, like me, everything, can so often be self-sabotaging. And what that means is intentionally ruinous. From the vantage point I'm at now, I can tell you that having to know everything about the men I dated was, in fact, a strategic move to jeopardize our intimacy. Of course, this sounds backwards. The want to know someone deeply, someone completely, is the very definition of intimacy. And yet for someone like me and maybe someone like you, knowing everything can be the very thing that keeps us from ultimately wanting that person. One detail from their lives can be the difference, you see, between coming to realize and accept each other naturally and forcing ourselves out prematurely because that detail, which we now know, leaves us somehow suspicious that we will not fit into the fantasy of their lives. Let me just tear off the veil here. The details I'm referring to, that I used to have to know, were the details of a man's sexual past. Not whether he had STDs, no. Whether he'd ever had a threesome or anal sex or choked someone. The answers used to haunt me. And not because I would obsess about what that insight may have said about him, but because of what I felt that it confirmed about me. Which was that I would inevitably be a disappointment. Even if the man I was with never made me feel like a disappointment, knowing what I knew, I expected that I was. I expected that as our relationship grew, there would be the expectation for me to either be more comfortable, curious, or willing to engage in the intimacy I knew, thanks to my own probing, that he had experienced and, in my mind, craved and preferred with past women. The anticipation of denying him a pleasure that other women had provided made me resent the quote-unquote man he used to be. And even worse was that resentment tarnished the faith I had in our own connection and compatibility. You see, I felt like his past relationships were going to be held over me or held against me, as if the bedroom antics of other women were a benchmark I was going to be judged against. And in full disclosure, that had happened before. And for reasons large and small, that experience exacerbated the underlying insecurity that I wasn't wild enough, and therein not desirable enough, and not woman enough, and not in love enough. The torture and shame and self-doubt I carried with me for years after that was ultimately brought on by my own storytelling, though. By me telling myself a story over and over and over again. A story about how another man's sexual history would, without fail, be the deciding factor for whether we could have a desirable future together. 
a story about how I was approved and that was something I should announce and warn potential suitors against. And while I never budged on what I was comfortable doing, I did always apologize for it. I apologized for not giving enough, for not trusting enough, for not trying enough, for not caring enough, for not not caring enough, for not living enough, for not loving enough. Ultimately, I was apologizing for not being enough. And just like I play that story in my head over and over and over about what the man I was with had done with women before me, and then the story about what that would mean for me in the future for him and I, well, I also felt sorry over and over and over for us and for him. But mainly, I felt sorry for myself. Today, I understand that that's what my mom was protecting herself against. The unreasonableness tied up with feeling sorry for yourself. The unspoken ability women have to, yes, take in and yet take on other people's stories, imagining that the tales of others somehow imply standards for our own lives. Listen, I don't believe that because we've been vulnerable before, this means we will forever be triggered by details that have sent us spiraling into storylines that sabotage our relationships, our sense of self, and the security of our emotional well-being. In fact, I think that I'm proof that you can overcome both the need to know everything as well as the want to. You can also overcome the judgment, the judgment of yourself and of others. I've learned along the way that perspective is a powerful solvent and that often the best way to overcome your own discomfort as it relates to another is to see how someone might be triggered into their own discomfort surrounding something with you. Let's go there. While I'm not aware of any social media pictures in my own archive that might suggest I've been in a love triangle of my own, I know that there is evidence of something else I was involved with, and that is an eating disorder. The photographs of me during that time are disturbing and they are sad. They break my heart and some even scare me. And yet, I haven't deleted them. There's many reasons for this, but every one of them comes back to this overwhelming desire for integrity, this sensitivity for all I've ever endured, this pride even, this refusal to ever erase or reject or diminish any trace of myself. I am not ashamed. And perhaps even more than that, I don't feel that anyone should be afraid of me or distance themselves from me after seeing those photographs or knowing that I've suffered from anorexia. So have I hidden these details from men? Not at all. If anything, I've done just the opposite. I refer to that time in my life easily. And yet the tricky thing is I always forget that these details about myself might make someone uncomfortable. In fact, they may turn someone off from me completely. I'm bringing this up because I think it can help you soften your perspective toward the man you're dating in the past he may or may not have had. I want to lead with an example that goes beyond just a simple recounting of a person I know who's had a three-way relationship and how it's nothing for you to be so hung up on. The reality is sex and intimacy and the man you're dating and the women he's been with and maybe even the man, all of this can bring up a slew of emotions that, like my parents realized, aren't beneficial and leave you with little to gain yourself. So, if you can, imagine being me for a second. I don't struggle with an eating disorder today, and I haven't for years. Food does not by any means run my life. 
If anything, because of my history, diets and health trends and the word indulgence and cheat day are something that I now couldn't even bring myself to entertain for a millisecond. I've been there and I've obsessed and I've limited myself and I never will again. In short, I'm the kind of woman you can take on a dinner date and actually eat dinner with. And yet imagine, imagine that the story is yours, that you are me and a guy meets you and you connect and he asks you on a date and then afterwards he goes to your social media account and he snoops, just as you've done. And he sees those photographs of you from 10 years ago and suddenly he's confused and ill about it. He doesn't like what he sees and what he sees doesn't make him wanna be with you. He doesn't want to deal with you having eating issues. He doesn't even know what that means or why it happened or what was involved. He just knows that he can't handle that becoming his story. He can't handle having a girlfriend who doesn't eat, who melts away before his eyes. How would you feel? What would you say? That that wouldn't happen again? That it's impossible? Would you feel like it's unfair? that he's not giving you a chance, he's not even hearing you out, he's not even remembering how he felt with you the other day, that he's discounting all of you, all you've become even because of that one experience. I'll tell you how I'd feel since this could happen to me. I'd feel like he was missing out on someone who was special, who was more than one year of her life, one confusing time when she didn't know what she was doing and she became unattractive and irresponsible and destructive and fell out of touch with herself, especially her own value. And taking that all into account, I'd feel like he was overlooking the very turning point in someone's life, the point where by which everything changes and is greater and deeper and more substantial and more honorable and honest because of. Don't miss that point. That's my advice to you. Love. Chelsea. Okay, friends. There you have it. That's my response. And I just want to tell you a little bit of what I'm feeling right now and what that kind of brought up as I was as I was saying it. It 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 surprises me this podcast this experience. There are moments that like I've told you some ended up not being recorded when I didn't realize or they just fall out or I don't know, things have happened. But there have been moments where I've gotten really emotional and emotional about parts of my life that in a way I don't expect myself to be emotional about. Or maybe society, I guess, wouldn't expect me to be emotional about just in terms of the fact that I've grieved it already. And what it says to me is, one, this career of mine, as I get closer to people's stories and more people's stories, my sensitivity only sharpens. I only become more and more sensitive. And I love that about myself. Trust me, I am not concerned about what that could do to me. But what I'm also recognizing is that the moments beyond my heartbreak surrounding love and men really has to do with 
the times when I broke my own heart. And I get emotional about those experiences. One, because I did them to myself, but also because, see, here it goes, because I did it to myself, I'm in a position where I'm sitting here right now and doing this. And I'm, I get emotional because I see that without those things, this never would have happened. And also just how, how far I've come and how slow I always thought I was going. So, I don't know, that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at, and, um, God, what else do I want to say? Just that I think that there's real, I don't know, it just excites me about the opportunity to talk about things in my life that, you know, I've always written about or I feel like I've talked about, but there's tears that I have because I'm just... I'm proud, and I'm proud of things that so many people would never be proud of. And I knew that I like didn't, you know, of course I didn't feel proud of at the time, but when you have, when you gain perspective and, and resilience and you see yourself really survive, and through, you know, so many years, the fear of falling backwards always, you know, that, that haunted me, even with depression, that I felt... The one day I felt good, I feared that the next day I was just going to fall backwards and lose it all and that it would never stick, that, that it would never return to me. And so these were tears of just realizing that that wasn't true. And what is true is that even when I lose my happiness at times and when I lose perspective, I always am able to get my happiness back. I hope that through the process of this podcast and whatever it becomes, I really, really feel that it is more than breakups and it's breaking up with the way that you look at yourself. For example, I mean, that's just one example. And I already feel at episode 17 that strides are being made and the concept of breaking upward you know, this word, my business, break upward. People are starting to really see on their own that this doesn't just have to do with heartbreak, with, with breakups, with relationships, romantic relationships. This has to do with overcoming depression, anxiety, isolation, overcoming the ideas that we had about ourselves, the ideals, the expectations, the, the fantasies, the dreams, the reminders, who we used to be, who we want to be, all of this. And you don't know, it's true, you don't know not only what something will become, but how quickly it may become more until you start. And because I know that people are listening and I feel just compelled to keep at this, you know, I just, it's something that I got to do. I don't, I feel that. I feel like I've got to be here and I just got to put it out week after week after week. I want to thank you because you are listening. I am learning that getting started is something you will never be sorry for. Thanks guys. If you want to connect with me in the podcast more, 
You can connect with me on Instagram at thankyouheartbreak. You can direct message me there. And you can also email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. To connect with my coaching services and work with me one-on-one, you can find me at breakupward.com shop, which means you can check out right from my website and we can get started. Again, thank you so much for spending this time with me.